When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. The Fifis are underway and the award ceremony is closing in. Will Quinny and Kalos Ray finally steal back our heroes' soul stones? Will Bryn and Alan sort out their relationship before their father's master plan culminates? Will Alan even attempt to teach Bobbert how sex works? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. Alan, how do you make love to a woman? I don't know. I've never made love to a woman before. <laughs> or anyone for that matter. Could you teach me? <laughs> you hear a gentle knock. Hey guys, me, Larry here. Sorry, couldn't help it over here. It sounds like you're in a bit of a pickle. Just thought I'd chime in here. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> I own a brothel if you need some help. I feel like, honestly, it's got to be like a personal moment. We've been on a lot of adventures where there were like brothels and such and... It's not a, not a thing for me. And then I lean over to Alan and I'm like, should we keep talking even though we know they can hear or should we bring them in? Let's just bring them in, honestly. Okay, come on in. Everyone, everyone's in, in the conversation now. Larry's like, look, so um, you know how you told me I could call my lady friend and use the other room, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we just finished using the other room and I'd be happy to help try and explain it if you'd like. That would be perfect. I think that's a good step one. Bryn's like sketching what Larry's saying and like diagrams and stuff. It's like a montage that's backlit by fire and classical yep. music. And it's Larry doing like finger puppets and like shadows on the wall. And like she's like not Bryn's drawing diagrams and then nodding. And you and I are both looking back and forth really seriously, like nodding. You're making notes. Okay. I'm making notes. But if you look at the notes, it's just drawings of dicks. Uh, <laughs> and, and like, we're just nodding and nodding. And then we get to the end of it. And he mimes out a climax with an invisible partner who's a shadow puppet. He's cast on the wall. And then it's just like, okay. But how do we do it? And Larry shrugs. I don't know. I'm a goblin. And then he hears a glass break in the distance. And he's like, oh, shucks. And he goes off to go fix it. It's probably the same. So I just do what the goblin did? <laughs> yeah. Or do you know what? Let her make the moves. Okay, I'm going to think about it. Alan, I may have more questions for you later. (laughs) Try to answer them, but honestly, I don't think I'm going to be much help. You're a better learner than me. You should probably ask around and try to learn some stuff, maybe. Then you can teach me. Well, Alan's clearly uncomfortable, but Bryn, could you teach me? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's wise. Like I said, I have a a brothel. No, you're right. Sometimes this is a journey a man has to do by himself, I guess. Would you help if you were to just watch? 
I can set that up. I'm now uncomfortable. I was fine right up until here, and it's getting weirdly desperate. I think you guys should leave, and I'm going to look at my notes, and I look at a drawing full of dicks, and I'm like, I got stuff to review, but thank you. Having just had the talk collectively, you find yourselves with more questions than answers. Let's go find Gwynny. I was just going to warn Alan that as per that conversation, I'd uh, be careful with that book. I don't want you getting hurt. I'm in the elevator, like, hitting the door open button, and it's starting to beep. And I'm like, come on, we got to go to the auction. Quinny will be there. Yeah, let's go. And I'm just keeping the book on me. I don't trust it staying in a room or staying in the safe. And just as the elevator doors are closing, you see me, like, reach over and tap Alan on the shoulder and point at the book. And I'm like, is there anything about doing it with ladies in there? And then the door shut. (laughs) (laughs) Unbeknownst to you, Quinny, while all of this weird sex talk has been happening, Mm -hmm. um, you and (laughs) your new frenemy, Kalos Ray, have snuck back up to the airship base. Now, which of the three towers do you want to go up? I think the North Tower is probably off limits because it's a VIP tower. So do you want to go back up to where the Unseen Hands blimp was, or do you want to try the spa floor? Let's try the other one. Using your VIP chip, you and the still somewhat pretty bruised up Kalos travel up. Once you hit the spa floor, the elevator actually stops. There's a couple of like really eager spa attendants who are like, hi, can we get you some ropes? Mm, yes. And I just kind of push Kalos into the floor. He looks back with kind of a remarkable look of gratitude. And he's like, you know, I love robes. Maybe you're not so bad after all. And then you can't hear much more because he's like enveloped in the softest looking robe. <laughs> and then the doors close and you continue up the one extra floor to the airship dock. Cool. Once you get up there and you're able to see that off to either side of the elevator bay, there are a little more taciturn entrance desks than the one downstairs. It's not quite like hotel lobby. Mm-hmm. It's more parking garage, but there do seem to be people coming in. And you can see since it is the second day, new people are arriving. This floor seems to have a lot more pleasure yachts. So they're they're okay. much bigger, they're much plusher. And more you get recreational the sense, than like Yeah, you get the sense that a lot of people are showing up today both for the auction and for the actual awards who didn't necessarily care about the fight. And it's the kind of people who you have to invite to these things, but they're really just there for the free drinks. Right, got it. Some of the people who are coming in going down the elevator are breathing into the soul stones. What you see is that up here it is a bit of a harsher system. There doesn't seem to be sort of the enchantment and the, the rack and everything else. They seem to be feeding them into almost a pneumatic tube system. Can I see where the tube leads? You can roll me a perception check for that, sure. 16 total. You can see that they get sucked in. They look like they're going to the floor, but you can't be 100% certain. However, looking at the shape of these kind of alcoves, that doesn't really look like anywhere above them that they could go. So you imagine they're getting sucked down into the building itself. Are they always going into the same, like, tube? There are two different alcoves, so Mm -hmm. basically two desks handling people because there seems to be a lot of traffic coming Mm -hmm. through. You can see that in each one, there are four different tubes. Mm -hmm. You can't really ascertain what the pattern is, but they do seem to put them in different tubes. I'm going to walk out to the airship docks Mm -hmm. and and see kind of what's going on there. The modern equivalent would be people taking trunks out of the backs of cars and taxis and everything else. So there's a lot of stuff being moved in and out. You can also see that for every VIP who's passing through in a fairly quick way, Mm -hmm. there are a bunch of service staff and security that seem to be lining up to be able to check in after their VIP goes in. It's that classic thing where you want to get the big rollers in fast Mm -hmm. and then their staff can wait. And is their process any different with the Soul Stones? For the service staff, it seems that anyone who looks domestic, so whether it's a butler or anyone like that, they're going to the first tube. Mm -hmm. Anyone who looks like security is going to the second tube. As you think about it, you realize that most of the VIPs were going to three and four. Can I determine the exact factors that decide which tube your Soul Stone goes into? Can you roll me an intelligence check, please? 17. Yeah, so after a bit of observation, Mm -hmm. it seems people who are wearing the finest clothing, who seem the most haughty, seem to be going down four. Mm -hmm. Three seems to be for people you would guess are general admission. 
And then two is soldiers, one is domestic staff. I'm going to get in line okay. with the, the staff. Can you roll me a performance check, please? Or deception? I'll do deception, please. Sure. 22. You kind of quickly palm your Unseen Hand logo mm-hmm. and your Rascal, Rascal logo yeah. so yeah. that you know, it's obviously again. you haven't already done this. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the two lines, you quickly case out which one seems to have like the biggest group coming through. It almost looks like a frat party bus. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get in with them. You're like, I can't believe we're here. Right, and they're right. like, oh, yeah. And as a halfling, it's very easy for you to just kind of blend in. Yeah. Most of these folks seem to be going down tube three. Okay. So into the martial category. They do seem like kind of a large security contingent, but a really undisciplined one. I'm going to tug on the cloak of like just any person in line kind of thing and be like, oh man, I'm so excited. It's my first time at the Thiefies. Hey, what's up with those tubes? Where do they go? What's up with that? Yo, bro, I don't know, man, but that's pretty exciting, eh? Tubes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hella exciting. <laughs> Gross. Has anybody uh, been to the Thiefies before that knows about the cool tubes? Immediately kind of like a silence drops over them and they're like, no, man, none of us have been to the Thiefies. This is our first time. Oh, wow. It's your first time too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm asking. Oh, man. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Wolverine's forever. And he makes like a W with his hands. And I do as well. Do you hate it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, great. He really <laughs> likes it. Oh, Wolverine's <laughs> But uh, he quickly explains that it's everyone's first time with the Thiefies. They were kind of worried that in their group, someone would have seen it before. You get the sense as you talk to this group that basically the boss is a lady who's dubbed herself the Wolverine. And she's pulled off a couple of like decent heists mm-hmm. and he's in the running for one of the Grifties. Okay. But it's the first time. And honestly, it seems like a bit of a fluke. And quite frankly, they're all a little bit surprised that she's up for this, um, <laughs> which is why they seem like such an undisciplined group. Because basically she, she suddenly told her entire Thieves band, like, you're all coming. You'll all be my security. Yeah. Can you roll me? Let's go with Deception again, please. Okay. 23. Over the course of your conversation, you managed to convince a bunch of them that you're actually a scout for the Thieves Guild and okay. that the Wanderers have, you know, basically secret shoppers out to kind of like test the waters and see if anyone's worth inducting. Immediately, they all start trying to show off to you. So suddenly people are doing card tricks. One of them's like flicking a knife in stupid ways. Mm. And all of this is terrible. Quinny's seen a lot of things that are so fucking cool. <laughs> He has, yeah. This isn't so fucking cool. No, oh, so um, fucking normal. But then one of them <laughs> starts explaining her theories on the engineering of the tube system. Tell me more. Can you roll me a uh, persuasion check, please? My persuasion is plus three, so natural 20. Doesn't matter. Fuck you, character sheet. I'm rolling 20s. <laughs> Finally a chance in our game when you can ignore your character sheet to do a thing you want to do. Um, it turns out she is actually quite... <laughs> she built the casino. <laughs> My name is Jane Casino Engine. (laughs) She actually seems like a bit of a savant. And as she notices that you're interested, starts almost arrogantly talking you through the design stuff. What she points out is that the whole pneumatic tube system is completely insane Mm. because it would require a tremendous amount of engineering to bring the tubes down through the building. And as a result, there'd be a tremendous amount of vulnerabilities for something that seems to be incredibly secure going down. I think you probably see the conversation given that you got a 20 with, oh yeah, downstairs they just disappear into a wall. And she's like, well, that's the way to do it because right now you've literally drawn lines between where the things go in and where they end up. So not only are you creating a tremendous amount of vulnerabilities all the way down, you're also pointing people to where these are deposited. Right. 
And any mechanical system requires maintenance, so it's probably a series of tubes and scaffolds around it, blah, 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 blah. And then she starts to outline how she would do it, mm-hmm. which is interesting, but not really what you care about. So I think you politely nod your way through another couple right. minutes of it and then make a note in a notebook. And she's like, oh, all right. And what's your name? Larkin. I want to make sure I get the spelling of Larkin correctly, because I will be talking about you a little later. She gives you a link with her name on it. She's mm-hmm. like, here's my LinkedIn profile. Thank you very much. All of her friends are clearly pissed. Nice. You're now about three people from the table. Uh, I think I'm just going to step out of the line then and head back down, because I don't think there's much else I can do here. So you pick up Kalos, and Kalos looks so much more favorably on you now. It's a good thing you did. You made things right between us. I, I don't care, Kalos. That's not what I was trying to do. I needed you off the elevator so I can go to the VIP section. I'm real There's glad. Like a single tear rolling down his <laughs> he face. He worked all the kinks out. To be fair, your... his face is so soft because mm-hmm. of good facial scrub. I slap him in his soft and tender face and say, remember, we got a job to do, and we've got your soul. <laughs> If you could read minds, mm-hmm. you would currently see the thousand ways he would murder you, but you can't, and he knows you own his soul, yeah. so instead he smiles and says, please, sir, may I have another? I say, no. <laughs> <laughs> he looks both relieved and disappointed, and the elevator doors ding, and down you go. Okay. All of you meet back up. You know that the auction's coming up, so basically, I think what happens is similar to any conference you've ever been at in your life, occasionally you just need to touch base. So as you all come together at the table, a uh, male dwarf in the same sort of crimson and gold outfit as the staff rushes up with a letter, clearly out of breath, and looks at Alan and is like, I am so sorry. I'm looking everywhere for you. Uh, here are the rules, regulations about attending the auction. And then he takes out like a Seth MacFarlane long time to recover his breath next to you and dashes back off. I'm just confused about why I got them instead of anyone else on our team, but that's okay. You should open them. So I just open them and kind of set them on the table in front of us. So we can Um, all lean in. As you do so, you see that it reads, Dear VIP, remember, if you'd like to attend our auction, here are the rules and regulations therein. So you read through it, and it's kind of like reading the terms and conditions of a program. But the main one... Which I'm actually pretty stoked on reading. (laughs) (laughs) So Alan reads them very carefully. Everyone else just clicks okay. Um, But uh, the long and short of it is that as a VIP, you're allowed to attend the auction. All items that are up for auction must be paid for on site immediately following the auction. You're also allowed to bring one good faith bodyguard. Mm with you. So now you're all back around the table. You have this information. You each have a coffee of some sort, possibly a tea. And he's got a hot chocolate. Bobbert is drinking the darkest, most (laughs) earthy, toxic tasting coffee he can, just black. Like he's just sitting there. And if you listen to him as he mutters to himself, he's clearly talking about how his favorite music is better than everyone else's favorite music. He's just drinking coffee grinds. Like it's not liquid. Yeah, he got them to double brew the coffee and then just dump the grinds in. I told them no filter. So it actually was just running coffee. And while I'm chewing physically and grinding away. All right. So I got a, a hot chocolate and a cup of, says here, as dark as my heart grindstone for the Farsaken? It's probably not dark enough still, but I'll take it. Alrighty, have yourself a good day. Thanks for spotting me that hot chocolate, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right, so uh, you're all back around a table. Is there anything you want to touch base about before you figure out your plan of action? Alan, I think this soul stone stuff, there's too much magical shit going on with it. I can't figure it out. It's not like a conventional means of storing goods, so I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it in terms of like how to get in there, get our soul stones, and get out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need your help. Here's a question, okay. Alan. Knowing your abilities, could you create a soul stone... Or something that would let us track it if it got thrown through a tube. I can't, guys. Why won't we just just... sacrifice our souls? I'm miserable anyways. (laughs) 
Bryn, any ideas before we go with plan B, sacrificing our souls? Can you create a tracker, Alan? I've never done it before. I mean, I could reach deep inside. <laughs> you know, uh, if, uh, you do have a book that's awful gentle. good at uh, helping you with these things. And it's on me. Sure is. Just give me a minute. Let me see if I can do this. Because we do have Kalos's soul, and we could send that down a tube if we have a tracker. I think, Bryn, you know I have the book on me. It's not a secret, but I don't want to like, bring it out <laughs> in front of everyone. In a cafe? It's not the kind of book you want to read in a cafe? I mean, knowing that it's more of an experience than actually like reading. I look at Alan and go, do what you did with drinks when you were embarrassed. Take it to the bathroom. <laughs> I feel like Quinny not knowing how your book works. And I, was like, like, and I say, that's actually a good idea. Excuse me. And I go over to the bathroom. It's definitely a hotel bathroom, though. So it's nice, but not really nice. You're able to read the book in peace. So I'm sitting on the toilet with the lid down, clutching the book. All right, roll closing me my eyes. on our can of check, please. 21. You notice that the tone of the book is starting to change. What's interesting is it used to take you a while to kind of like get mm-hmm. what they were putting down. But now the words seem to be clearer, more direct. So you actually find the answer pretty easily. However, it does mention that there might be a cost. Do I know what the cost is? Roll me another arcana check, please, at disadvantage. 18. Alan at disadvantage. Still an 18. (laughs) Um, It is still very archaic. So it takes you a bit of reading to grasp what it's saying. Mm -hmm. You get the sense that you'd be able to enchant it. However, the energy it would require to do it would likely consume the object over time. So you can track it, but it will likely burn up. Okay. Player sociopath Ryan's like, well, we can just use callus. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck him. I'm going to come out and and relay all this to the team. So I can track it, but there's a chance they could destroy the stone in the process. All right, well, what about this? And I take out my ball from the ball pit at the kids' play place. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've been over that I can't change that. (laughs) No, yeah, I know. We'll have to figure something else around. I mean, there's plenty of people around here that can do forgery. Is there a visible difference between a soul stone with a soul in it and one without I can't remember (laughs) to be more honest than I want to be as a player. Uh, Soul Stone without it looks like a David Bowie Labyrinth Rolly Stone with a soul in it. It looks almost like a cloud or vapor is trapped inside it. So yes, there's a a clear visual distinction. I have minor conjuration as well as prestidigitation. So if I could alter it slightly enough to create a glow. You're welcome to try. You're looking at me as though I should tell you (laughs) straight up yes or no. I want to freaking try that. All right. So you're trying to enchant Quinny's ball pit ball. Um, Why don't we wait and not set an hour time limit with no plan of what to do with it yet? Just a thought from the Forsaken. (laughs) Just got excited. (laughs) All I have to do is walk out of the entrance, pretend I'm just arriving, and then... That's going to be my page day calendar. (laughs) Thoughts from the Forsaken. This idea of you going up and putting it in is great. That counts you out for the auction. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. Only two of us can go to the auction anyway. I'm here for one very, very important item, and that is called the Thiefy. Great. I'm here now to foil my brother as well, so I really want to go. By foil, do you mean murder? I would like to plead the fifth. (laughs) Not on... Yes. (laughs) I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Everyone lean in so I can stop doing this voice. I think Uh, we're still huddled. Okay, good. I'm I'm watching watching for the server and I just fucking can't do this anymore. He tried to kill me, so I thought he'd be nice. So honestly, like... Fuck him. And you said something about he sent the Fighters Guild fighter to yeah. kill you? Yeah, the guy was like, your brother says hello and then stabbed me in the fucking neck. Just hearing that now, that sounds friendly, potentially, like, hello. It wasn't like he oh, said that no. and then later stuck me in the neck. Well, like, I mean, he's hit you with a knife in the heat of a gladiatorial combat, right? No? 
All right, I'm that just misreading the situation. Now. And my well, brother, yeah, no, I, be in the, honestly, here's what I'm thinking. There's two ways this plays out with my brother. I murder him, or we come up with an over-elaborate crime plot where I put him in this armor and we shave him and people think he's the Forsaken and maybe we get his soul crushed while I get mine back out. And I'm willing to go either way with this, but I feel like that second one might be more thiefy. All right. Can you... Uh, Open the door to your balcony so I can jump <laughs> off it there, Ryan. Be, be real good, be a real good solution for me right now. Let's just kill him. Listen, Thanks, I just, Tyler. I just want to go to this auction and fuck him over. I've got all my money from selling shit. Just play like a fun prank on him again before you kill him, probably. I don't know what he wants at the auction. I have no idea, but I don't want him to have it. Okay. I, if he goes and he's just like, I'm just buying a dog turd, I'm taking that fucking dog turd. Snarf, snarf. Yeah, thank you, Goblin Jr. I mean, uh, well, I guess, no, we're, we're, we're ourselves today. Snarf. Who, who else has got to go to the auction? Because I'm like, Quinny's out because he wants I to really go to don't. his crime thing. To- well, we technically can only take two. Alan's got the VIP chip and she gets one bodyguard. I'll give that to Alan, by the way. There's your oh. VIP pass. Oh, Alan, thanks. Don't you have a meeting with wizards? Yeah. Well, because I was just going to say, if you're going to meet wizards and he's got to go to his, his crime thing, then Bryn and I are both available and we'll take the money and go fucking win shit. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. You, you seem sad. Are, are you sad Don't about this? you really want to go to the auction? I'm a little bit more hesitant today about meeting the mages. Because yesterday, I mean, it was all fine and I was just going to get information. so far away. But after having that encounter with our dad, I feel like I'm being manipulated now. Oh, well, I mean, if you're feeling and manipulated, then so I'm I'm hesitant. Fight. I'm hesitant. <laughs> fight. Okay, then opening well, back the- up to the table, what what do you want to do, Alan? Because I thought I just thought I knew what everybody wanted, and I'm learning there's layers. Yeah. And I've just been real grumpy uh, <laughs> and an atheist, and I want to die, and that means I'm probably being self-centered. <laughs> so what's up, Alan? Wow. <laughs> so here's the thing: the reason you wanted to meet with the mages was so that we could figure out how to conjure up a soul stone. Yeah. On the other hand, we also want Daddy Dearest on our side, and you're the best venue for that. No, you're right. You're right. I got to think about everyone. Got to think about our mission. I'll do it. Do you want someone to go with you as your bodyguard? You get two choices. You can take Death Wolf. He's a celebrity. He's available. He's snarf, 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 snarf. Oh my snarf, God! Okay, snarf, snarf, snarf. he sings well. Put the kibosh on Death Wolf right now. He's hypoallergenic. <laughs> the other option, maybe Is things hypoallergenic. I just, just it's I knew all along. <laughs> you may have noticed nobody's ever sneezed. Definitely That's not in true. this session <laughs> or any previous ones in character. But the other option in in the corner B. You have a tumultuous emotional connection that no one understands. I'm not sure you've sorted your stuff out. And she's either on your side or against you, and we're not sure. Somebody who I legitimately enjoy. We got Bryn. So you can choose between Bryn or the dog. <laughs> Bryn, it's up to you. You want to come with? I'll come with. And then I turn, right. I turn to Goblin Jr. and I'm like, fool them. It's you and me, bud. <laughs> uh, and we do like a, a dog high five where he like holds a paw yeah, up and, and I and get he it. snarfs out of Junior J's. Oh, man, I'm snarf. so on board. a snarf. Okay, so now that we know I'm the only one going to the auction, here's an awkward You're not moment. taking Goblin Jr. Oh, no, he's, he's going with me. Okay. But I, I would like to have all of your money. Why? What do you want to buy? I want to buy whatever Reginald's trying to buy. And he has my parents' money, and I only have what I've made today and whatever Annan brings me in from this afternoon. I, I hustled hard. But. Hey, you can take almost all of my money because I get a good take from the brothel every day. So you can have uh, 3,000 of my gold. Nice. Okay, just, this is just good. Just question. What if he wants to buy something completely useless? Do you think my parents would send him here with an airship and an army of goons knowing he's only here for the auction to buy garbage? I have no idea Honestly, what your brother's he might like. be here for you. No, he didn't know I was going to be here. Uh, 
I Fighters was, Guild guy says your brother says yeah, hi. Yeah, but that was after I was already here. He didn't know I was coming here on a boat after an island full of tornadoes. Nobody saw that shit coming. After we fought a psychic wolf and I was enslaved for nine months. I he, don't know. My, listen, if he planned for that, we've already lost. Look, my dad's <laughs> been following us. Who knows who else knows where we've been? Yeah, where the we're unseen going. hand were at play. So you, I, I just want to be clear. Your objection is we might have more powerful enemies than we thought. I should go in with less. My objection is we might have richer enemies beyond our wildest dreams because they can appear to fund like a pretty insane operation. Bryn, thank you. I just want to say you're welcome. Thank you. I'll give you six fifty. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Alan. I'll give you eight hundred ninety nine. I got to do some math. I want. <laughs> A portion of whatever you buy. Oh, yeah. Also, I will say, if it doesn't look like he's buying anything and I can't figure out his plan, I'll just buy cool shit that you would like for what, your no, abilities. Just give me my money back. <laughs> no, no, no. I already took it. I already took it and it's in a bag. So you're just going to buy him something cool? No, no, no. Like, I, I would I would get... I'm saying, we've got a group. I know how much you put in. I'm going to stay reasonable. Okay. I'll bring you just back your money. Does that make sense? <laughs> Great. So I've got 30, 36... Uh, Alan, I need your help. <laughs> Okay, what have you got? I'm willing to spend stress points to be like, I didn't give you any money. I gave you a bag of wood or something. Just like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I will spend stress points to foil you. <laughs> I just imagine the two of you sitting at a table, spending stress. You're both just sweating profusely, yeah. glaring at each and other. Eventually going insane, I guess. 899 plus 650. 1549. Okay, so 3,000 and then 1,500. 6,049 gold. See, and then Goblin Jr. pulls the one gold he has out of his pouch, and he pushes it across uh, the floor to you. And I say, oh, I couldn't. <laughs> but then and I Goblin take Jr. it. And Goblin Jr.'s like, snar, snar, snar. <laughs> then I look at Quinny's eyes. <laughs> He's like, he already has a dagger out. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, thank you. Thank you for, for the cause. And even 6,050. Plus whatever take I got from Ann in that day. I did the signing. Death Wolf did signings. Also, we set up four speed portrait stations. But what we did was they got a speed portrait with a cardboard cutout. And I just went around and shook everybody's hand. <laughs> God help us all. You made 1,600 gold. Ooh, so I have 7650. It was a lot less until you started talking about the quick draw stations. Um, and, oh, hang on. You also made 50 off the very first sale of a phrase a day calendar. Ooh. It's <laughs> the first one. What's so the... sales haven't picked up yet, but they're starting. What are some of the phrases? You can't do it. Life is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have to buy one of those. <laughs> if you're going to stab them, stab them in the front and the back forever till they're just goo. <laughs> Dad? Dad? More like I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were written by Anne. <laughs> Ironically, that wasn't one of them. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. Snarf, 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 snarf. Wait, Goblin Jr., slow down. You're not wearing your translation amulet. Oh, hey, that's much better. Hi, I'm Goblin Jr., uh, beloved wolf companion of the Dum Dums and Dragons crew. And uh, listen, if you're enjoying our adventures, our, our snarfy fun, uh, you know, the adventures of, of Butthole and Quinny and Alan and Juniper and Bucky and all the rest, well, uh, listen, you'd really be doing us a solid if you'd go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And hey, you know, if you want to help us on our adventures, uh, for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can gain access to uh, Snarfy Discord and talk to all sorts of other fans about the shows. Uh, and you know, it just goes up from there. You can get ad-free feeds. You can uh, add your own characters. Uh, hell, you can even make an NPC at the $25 level. And you get your name in the credits at the end, which is which is a lot of fun, I'm told. Anyway, uh, you know, I don't know too much just being a wolf and all, but uh, what I do know is if you enjoy our adventures as much as uh, me and the crew like going on them, well, Patreon's a great way to help out. Uh, anyway, I'll uh, see you around, and oh, take this stupid amulet off. Snarf, 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 snarf. To clarify, Alan and Bryn are going to go talk to the mages of the Wanderers. Yes. Forsaken and Death Wolf, you are going to the auction. Cody, what are you up to? Um, you're taking the soul stone, right? Wasn't that the plan? That all depends on if she casts mm, it now fair enough. or not. And I think magically she's the only one that could track it. I wouldn't be able to do anything like that. I'm, I'm going to be using, you know, like fast hands to swap it at the front so door I or put a bacon. I think but. what I would suggest is that no casino is going to accept a wolf as a VIP. So, um, <laughs> in this case, the wolf was the VIP and he was his bodyguard. I mean... <laughs> One of them speaks a lot of sense. Yep. One of them was Butthole Fart. So I think, Bobbert, if you can claim Death Wolf as your comfort animal. We Quinny have a legal precedent for an emotional assistance animal. You do. Uh, Neverwinter Law holds. So I think, when you can go to the auction as well if you'd like to. Cool. I'm still keeping your money. <laughs> we'll see. Alan and Bryn, you follow the directions that Riker had given you to find the mages. Mm-hmm. You basically go into the VIP North Tower, but the elevator goes down rather than up. Mm. And you find yourselves at, it seems like a small floor. Bryn, it reminds you a lot of the basement you found, so it looks much more like sort of command floor. And it seems that the Wanderers have set up their own small security area. They have some scrying pools. You can see a bunch of mages working on various things. They don't seem to be seen through the spiders. They seem to just be trying to scry what's happening or try and predict things that are happening. 
So you come in and you're met by a tall elf who greets uh, both of you and says, oh, yes, Brandon, she's one of those people that you know your dad hangs around with. She's definitely one of the mages in the Wanderers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you use mages very often no, in your, never. your heists. Her name is Milos, and she introduces herself to Alan. She says, um, Alan, you know, we were very happy to hear that a prospective mage might be uh, looking to join the Wanderers. I understand you're also Riker's half-daughter. Yes. Yes, I am. And she shakes her head and she's like, he does like those elf ladies. And you can sense there's maybe some history there. My eyes squint for a second and then kind of relax. Great. She welcomes you in. You can tell, though, that she's doing that thing that a lot of security professionals will do, which is kind of welcome you into the space but keep you away from Mm -hmm. the specifics. Okay, so um, I have some tea brewed. Would you like to sit and ask any questions you may have? I can tell you a bit about what we do for the Wanderers, obviously not in any specifics, but to be happy to share some of my experience with being a mage in a thieves' guild with you if you'd like. And I just kind of look at Bryn, so sure, sure, I'll have tea. The two of you sit down. Bryn, you notice that your chair is purposefully slightly further from the table. I pull it closer. She gives you a very polite but very passive-aggressive look, and as you know from your time with the Wanderers, your reputation as a nomad, if you will, or a muggle, if you're a better (laughs) listener and viewer. I Um, I know, me too. Given your uh, predilection to not using magical people, the mage wing of the Wanderers are all a little skeptical of you, and they don't give you the warm greeting that a lot of the others would. That's fine. I don't need it. Great. Your tea is served with no sugar and no cream. Just the way I like it. I like to imagine that no matter how anything is served to Bryn, it's just the way just she the likes way it. the way I like it. <laughs> Every meal is defiance. Alan, the tea is very warming. It's very nice. You can tell that it's an expensive, luxurious tea, which is nice for you. You get the sense that there's a lot of luxuries that come with being a wanderer. What questions do you have for Milos? What's a typical day look like for you? She chuckles and she says, you know, that's a very common question. Obviously, mages are normally in the mages circle, not in a thieves guild. She basically explains how as more and more people became concerned about thieves, it became increasingly common to have people enchant things to set sort of magical alarms and everything else. And as a result, thieves started having to turn to mages to help provide additional support. So the Wanderers were one of the first thieves guilds to start to uh, invite in mages and basically train mages as thieves. So, okay, and I'm thinking back on our journeys and just kind of nodding, be like, this sounds familiar. She's actually describing a lot of things that you've already done yeah. in your travels and suggests with sort of great poignancy aimed at Bryn that a thief with magical aptitude is vital to a proper heist at this point mm-hmm. because one never knows when one will come up against magical resistance and it's better to be prepared than, say, magically scarred. And your hand kind of drifts uh, unconsciously up to your spell scarring mm-hmm. on your neck. Bryn, you chiming in with anything on this or just kind of letting it happen? I think I'm just going to let it happen for right now. Did you all study in school? Like a specific school of magic? Or how so, did you oh, learn? Some of us. Uh, some of us came from the mage's circle. Some mm-hmm. of us trained at various magic schools throughout the world. Uh, some of us just had an aptitude for it. And me and some of my uh, companions helped train those who had an aptitude in harnessing their spells towards thieving and towards our missions. So what's like the coolest spell you've ever cast? And she smiles and you can tell she wants to brag. Mm-hmm. But she's like, oh, you know, a good thief never reveals her tricks. Do you want to try and roll me a persuasion check? Sure. Or an arcana check if you want to like try and counter brag her maybe. I'm just going to go with persuasion, I think. Yeah. Right now. 13. You offer that most compelling of arguments. Come on. <laughs> and, um, she... I just like, give, give her eyebrows. Raised oh, eyebrows. <laughs> and she's like, ah, elf. 
You know, if they were elvish eyebrows, maybe, but half elvish eyebrows, just not sharp enough. She's a professional. A so she uh, <laughs> she tells you, well, there's one time I kicked open a door, and they're like, and then they're like, I can't tell you, it's classified. Would I have any knowledge of anything more important that she Why would have Why don't done? you uh, rule me, let's say, a wisdom check, please. 19. Brilliant, in great detail, you explain the most impressive bit of magic Milos has ever done, which was on a deep cover mission that no one was supposed to know about, but that you had an agent on the inside of that you paid off. And basically, it's like one of those things where you start describing it. And at first, she's like, okay, well, everyone knows this story. But then you go into excruciating detail. And gradually, Milos's face just all color drains out of it. And she just glowers at you in the most polite way possible. And then I look at her with open doe eyes and take a sip of my tea. <laughs> and the mug says, I love thieving. And she's just like, Ugh. Alan? So do you do any of the magic around here for the thiefies? There are assorted chuckles from around the room in kind of mm-hmm. a like, Steve Jobs, do you sell computers here or something? <laughs> she explains that while the Mirage staff has been covering most of what's going on, they have a responsibility as the hosting guild to make sure things run as smoothly as possible. Mm. So what about those soul stones? I've never seen anything like that before. Oh, they're ingenious, aren't they? Yeah, no, that's a mirage thing. You know, Chaz is a, a man of limited imagination, but he really nailed it with that. We tried to find a way to circumvent them, but the mirage has been running for so long that it was a condition of us booking the space and, you know, booking venues at this time of year. Am I right? Aren't you afraid you're going to lose your soul, though? She laughs and, like, there's a bunch of laughing. It's not at your expense. It's just kind of people being like, oh boy, Alan, you must understand any true mage runs the risk of losing their soul in almost anything they do. Wait, I've risked my soul before. She like looks at your neck. Well, clearly she looks at Bryn. You can tell her about this sort of stuff, right? Bryn, this isn't anything you have knowledge about. It's just viewed as such common knowledge amongst these mages that they're shocked. No. (laughs) She rolls her eyes. Alan, where do you think your power comes from? I studied for like my entire life. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I do magic. <laughs> yeah, you're risking your soul. Smash cut to the auction. So um, so on the way to the auction, I've turned to Quinny and I'm like, okay, I figured out a way for us to have an ace in the hole. I take out a second money bag. I redid the math in real life with a calculator. Uh, in character, I actually counted it all so I know what the total is. And we actually had 78.50. At this point, I take out Quinny and, and Alan's money, which is 15.49. Uh, I put it in a bag and I say, Quinny, take this. Now, what I'm going to do is when I go upstairs, because I don't want people to steal it, I say with air quotes, I'm going to show it to a guard, but where the unseen hand can see. So my brother will think he knows how much money we have. Then we can bid on whatever you want with your and Alan's money. If we see cool shit early and he thinks he only has to beat the amount in my purse, but we'll still have it. You're thinking so many steps ahead. It it almost seems like you're insane. I've walked down this path before. I've survived the minefield that is my family. Did you call it a minefield? Correct. All right. (laughs) You have to build an entire field in a board in your mind and think five steps ahead. (sighs) Unless your opponent does, and then you have to think six steps ahead. This is turning into like a real like heart of darkness kind of. Opponent plus one step. Yes. Okay, great. How much money are you giving me again? I'm giving you 1,549 pieces of gold. I could round that up, but I'm not trusting you with Goblin Jr.'s gold. <laughs> no, and rightly you shouldn't. So I've got 2,549 gold. Oh, you still had 1,000 after you... Oh, you're smart. 
Yours yeah, first. trying to think a few moves ahead of my enemy. Oh, good. The elevator dings. I says, oh, thank God, and like just walks out. I look at him and go, Bobbert plus one. <laughs> <sighs> you walk out into a room that's set up similar to uh, the greatest of all Star Wars films, episode one, The Phantom Menace's Jedi Council Chamber. A bunch of comfortable looking chairs in like a semicircle. Nice panoramic view of the desert. You can see there's a door off one wall. So it's like a ring of chairs around like a... Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, like a... Like and, a dais. But without the ex machina. It's you like wait until they auction off an ex machina. That'll show you, Tom. <laughs> it's not on the sheet in front of me, so <laughs> you'll still find a way, but it'll be exhausting. As you come in, can both of you please roll me a perception check? 22. 22 total. You can tell that uh, a lot of people seem to have already gotten here. There are servers moving amongst the VIPs, delivering drinks. The way this works, each bodyguard is allowed to stand behind someone who isn't the person they're guarding mm-hmm. as kind of a mutually assured destruction agreement. So you can already tell a bunch of people are here. Most of them seem to have already gotten and got settled. A couple of things strike you. Quinny, you didn't watch much of the fight and you were fighting. So actually you won't recognize a few of the people in here that maybe someone else would have. <laughs> he looked at Alan. <laughs> <laughs> the DM did. <laughs> he sure did. One symbol you recognize is a fedora that is upside down. If you were to put money on it, you'd guess it's Carmine Falstaff. So he seems to be kind of off in a corner. He looks a little squirrely. It's kind of how we left him, yeah. You notice a tall man who looks very well appointed. You recognize his symbol as the Crest of Neverwinter. And Quinny, you saw Lord Neverember wandering around doing the rounds. You're guessing it's probably him. Right, okay. Bobbert, concerningly to you, his bodyguard, who isn't wearing a face-blowing mask, is holding a flaming sword. For me, though, I'm not even concerned. I'm pumped to see that dude. I really like Paladin Von Strauss. Yeah, so Von Strauss is hanging out. None of the bodyguards are wearing face-blowing because they're bodyguards. You can continue to wear yours if you so choose, but I think you're probably just wearing Wait, am I a bodyguard? Because I thought I was the VIP. You can be the VIP and I'll be your very small bodyguard. Yeah, that's more fun. (laughs) (laughs) His armor is recognized as the fighter from the rings. I'm an important man! Annan's like, yes. And they're like, oh, okay. Thanks for the chip, Annan. She seems to know what she's doing. So you would be wearing face blowing, so that's good. I think that's probably all the people that you two would recognize. Uh, the only other person I'd look for is Merle Streep here. Yes. Looking around, you can see she's wearing face blowing, but again, her armor is very distinctive. It's again, one of those classic like, who am I? Yeah, is this like you get to choose your own seat like high school or is this like a sign seating like a Yeah, a, you get a to wedding. choose your seat. Most people are already seated. But are you trying to sit next to Merle? I want to know if there's a seat next to Merle or next to Carmine. In in a dream world, I would like to sit directly between those two. (laughs) Roll me a dice. Nat 20. Hell yeah, there's a seat between the two of them. I'll go over there. Uh, You go over and someone's about to sit down. And they're like, the Forsaken. And they run out of that seat. And I like take out a portrait of me with blurred face and the helmet. And I sign my name on it with like (laughs) my finger. It's bleeding. I don't know. I'm real metal. Uh, And then I just like throw it after them. Like I don't even look to see if they see it. I'm just like, there you are, young man. I rolled a one, so it hits him in the back of the head and knocks him straight Cuts unconscious. Him in half. And Carmine just looks up and he's like, good help. Story of my life. And then guards drag the unconscious guy out and Carmine is left without a guard. Don't worry, Carmine. I'll look after you. Carmine? Yeah, I, I, oh, shit. You said good job, Carmine, didn't you? No, no, I said good help these days. The DM said Carmine. Yeah, well, this happens sometimes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, great to see you. Uh, clearly, I am a secret friend. Even though you can't see his face, you can see the, like, the wheels turning his head, thinking about if he has any friends left. He seems to be getting twitchier and like maybe looking at the door like he might bolt out of here. I lean in close. To everyone else in the room, it looks menacing, but I, I get like right by his ear and I'm like, thanks for your help at the trial. No one knows who I am, so please don't yell my name like I did to yours. His eyes go wide. You kind of like the, the blurry, like, shitty Van go away. They could with this, and then he kind of leans back. He's like, I won't fuck with you. Please don't punch me. Excellent. My dominance is assured. Yep, I was a threat, but now I am not. <laughs> I just point at Quinny, and I'm like, take your pick. Murder child. And in meanwhile is watching from the doorway and she's like, murder child is a sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> we can sell this. She's picturing the dolls. Like like she knows we'll move more murder child dolls than we will anything else. She gets to the elevator and the doors close before Quinny can literally take out his sword and like stab her. And then he just has to sheathe the sword again. And yeah. I, I look at that and go, that's what murder child would do. Yeah, as the doors close, she's like, yeah, good. Hate me. And the doors close. <laughs> oh. Murder child, death wolf. And the Forsaken, the expanded universe grows. <laughs> David Ayer is directing that one. <laughs> the Forsaken expanded universe. What are we, some kind of Forsaken squad? <laughs> I legitimately can't wait because I'm just picturing us several adventures down the road and it turns out there's just like touring Forsaken plays. It's just all gone <laughs> Grimdark. <laughs> so Tyler, why did you quit the show? Couldn't even name my own character anymore. <laughs> So uh, a couple seconds later, Reginald comes in. Behind him is a huge hulking mess of a uh, unseen handguard. He walks in, and I'm going to say you guys are sitting closest to the door. He clocks the two people sitting furthest away, and he beelines it for a seat next to them. When he gets over there, he just picks the person up who is sitting there, tosses them out of the chair, and sits down. Hmm. Well, when does this all start? <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly the reaction I expected from the first time you saw your brother in years. I saw him before. Listen, I got a lot going on. Um, murder child, can you please roll me a perception check? Natural 20. Murder <laughs> Oh, boy. You get a theme song now. Wow. <laughs> your nat 20 reward is a punishment. <laughs> yeah. What did I roll that for? Um, so, um, Imagine how bad the song would have been. <laughs> you're listening with your twisted lip and face full of rage. Yep. Unlike the Forsaken, who's kind of making a show of it and talking to Carmine, you can kind of overhear what Reginald is saying to these two people. Yeah. And you're quickly able to ascertain that they're two of the Plantier wizards, as you'd been informed by Bobbert back on the Isle of the Winds. There's a lot of animosity between the province of Aka and the Plantiers. You can tell that Reginald beelined it over there, and he's just actively antagonizing the two of them. Okay, so I make note of that. I'm occasionally I'm looking to Quinny to see if there's any signals or messages. I don't. I still don't understand really the rules of this room, but I mean, I'm the Forsaken, so I also don't care. Don't care at all. I'm going to go stand behind you, as it seems some bodyguards are doing. I'm, I'm going to fill you in just under my breath that, you know, if the enemy of your enemy is your friend, you might have an ally in that person your brother's sitting beside because they're not on good terms. Interesting. And I take out another one of my Forsaken pictures. I have to, like, re-stab my finger on one of my armor spikes, and I'm so metal. Uh, and I just write on the back of it, We should discuss a mutual foe after this auction. The Forsaken. Plus Death Wolf. Also murder child. Uh, and, and I fold it up into one of my classic origami fart boxes. But instead of a fart, I, I hold it up to my mouth and I just go, hate. Uh, and I close it. <laughs> and I give it to Quinny to deliver. Oh, man. I almost crush it in my hands. 
But then you'd be so full of hate. Uh, yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I walk it over and I say, I have a message from, and I take it like a hard swallow and say, my master, <laughs> forsaken. And I hand it to. So there are two of them. Again, blurred face tech running in full. Based on what you saw of Augustine, they all seem to have an aptitude towards a particular element. Like mm-hmm. they seem to be wizards who have specialized in one thing. One of them is dressed in red, clearly a fire wizard of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like think almost Jafar from Aladdin, but more fiery. Right, right. Uh, the other one is a lady got a buzz cut and is in very heavy plated green and brown kind of like stone armor. Who do you want to give it to of the two? Uh, fire. Person. Okay. The bodyguards kind of move in as soon as you show up, mm-hmm. but it's not uncommon for people to pass messages back and forth at the auction. So he takes the box. Thank you, murder child. Big fan, by the way. How is my name getting around already? And he uh, he hands... Oh, right. He shouted it out. <laughs> he hands you paper money, mm-hmm. which is very confusing to you. Yeah. It seems to be uh, from the sort of the Plantier Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks to be worth the equivalent of 100 gold. I walk back over, stand behind the Forsaken again, and I just mentioned he seems to have appreciated the favor. I, I think he gave me some fucking... Monopoly money. Ah, now you can buy toilet paper with toilet paper. <laughs> Quinny laughs at that too. <laughs> Fucking A. With the two of you sharing a rare these days, chuckle with each other. The auctioneer comes in and quickly everything settles and like people find their seats. Merle has winked at you several times, but the face blurring technology kind of obscures it. I look back at her and I clearly blink both eyes just to make sure it goes through, like slow and awkward, but directly at her. After the third one, her hand kind of rises to her collarbone. You're not sure what you just suggested, but like she seems into it. I look at Carmen and go, I'm killing it here. <laughs> He does the thing where he like looks left and right, then he leans over as a supplicant and he's holding out a gold coin to you while he does it and kind of like, oh, please don't hit me. And he's like, appreciate you dealing with our Fiddlesworth problem. And he gives you a gold coin. Thank you. And I put a hand on his shoulder. Anytime, man, if anybody fucks with you, I'm going to kill them. That is so nice to hear. Thank you. No problem. Uh, And then uh, the auctioneer comes in. So the auctioneer is the oldest dragonborn you've ever seen. Wearing a very nice suit. And looks very kindly and kind of smiles at everyone, uh, has nice little horn-rimmed glasses, and steps up to the podium and is like, Well, everyone, thank you for joining us at the, the annual Thiefies Auction. I am Jarlsning, your auctioneer. We have a number of fine items available today for bid. Please do remember your bid is due immediately afterwards, and do please instruct your seconds not to murder anyone Unless they try to murder you first. And there's kind of like polite chuckles, mostly from the bodyguards. This is like a yearly gag. All of them try and avoid the blood stain under one of the chairs. From the year, it didn't go so well. And I go, ah, ah, that chair gets me. <laughs> yes, yes, quiet down. We all like blood chair. Okay. I uh, figured out the fourth member of my band. <laughs> The Forsaken, Death Wolf, Murder Child, and Blood Chair. <laughs> I will warn you, sir, that Blood Chair is not available at the auction today, but there will be many fine items. So we won't do the whole auction because there are a bunch of items that aren't particularly of interest to you. Can you tell me what kind of things you're looking for? For me, it would be anything that looks exceedingly sharp and murderous I would be interested in. 
Also, knowing that I've got some of like Bryn's money, I don't want to spend like a, a fortune fortune, but anything that would be up her alley that might surprise her be useful, like functional gifts. I want something that would enhance people's experiences in their own day-to-day lives with their own skill sets. Quinny's looking for anything to give us an edge to be used over the course of the rest of today or tomorrow. Oh, also, I want to know anything Reginald bids on. Okay, so a few things come and go, and Quinny, your hands are, I think, kind of spasming at most of these, because yep. like... God, just buying them takes some of the thrill out of it anyway. Well, the thing is, all of these are items that have been stolen. Oh. So all of these, uh, every item that's up for auction is an item that was stolen from someone at some point over the year and then donated to the auction or bought to be in the auction. So the point of the auction is kind of a show of force by the Wanderers. A lot of it is attractive in that regard. Mm -hmm. You can tell there are various nobles from around the area. You get the sense that some people are just here to buy back their own shit. The first item of note to the two of you that comes up is a cube of force. So neither of you really know what this item does. Quinn, you've probably heard of them. You know that they have a number of magical properties. So this one, Reginald suddenly kind of perks up from glowering at the planteers, and he throws in a bid for 1,000 gold. So I've got 1,000 for the uh, cube of force, 1,000 going once. Uh, I, I look back at Quinny. I just like lean back so he could whisper in my ear. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Going twice. I, I don't know. Your brother's interested in it. This is what you're here for. You might as well go for it. Uh, a thousand and one! Oh my god, his price is writing it. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at DelBorovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. Or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Drag. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Please try to get some sleep tonight. I've been trying to sleep all week. Nothing helps. You could try Sleep Sound. No thanks. You've had enough nightmares for the both of us. Let me go! Come on. The medication has nothing to do with that. I haven't had a bad dream in ages. (laughs) Ever since your highly problematic affair in Idaho? Oh my god. Never stop. Nothing happened. Nothing happened? Well, you still haven't told me who you're bringing to graduation. Oh, your heart is racing. How can you tell? You're lying on top of me. What if I don't want anyone else to know yet? And it wasn't a bad dream? I don't know. Christopher, you know. Can't you appreciate that I'm trying to help you here? Thanks for the pills, Lils. Dreamers, Season 2 by Broken Crown Productions. Tune in weekly wherever you listen to podcasts.